Belli. Uh, he is, uh, it's a good Italian name. Uh, he is an astronomer in France. And so this is, uh, there's some keys that he says when they're looking for life on planets, this is what they're looking for. There's seven things he said they're looking for. He said they're looking for, number one, the right distance from their star, that the planet has to be the right distance from their star, uh, that it has to have a more or less circular orbit. Um, it has to have a stable rotational axis. There needs to be some water, but not too much. Uh, there can't be too much hydrogen in the atmosphere. And there has to be plate tectonics uh, happening on this planet for there to, to have the uh, ability to have life, as well as a magnetic field. Now, that's what they're looking for when uh, if these astronomers are saying that they're, they're looking for these things when they're looking for life on a planet. Now, Stephen Curtis Chapman is another guy that uh, you may know. How many of you know Stephen Curtis Chapman? All right. And he was a, he's a CCM artist. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song called Signs of Life. And I think I like Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, view on this. This is one of, one of his songs. This is the lyrics in it. It says, Now I've got crayons rolling around in the floorboard of my car, bicycles all over my driveway, bats and balls all over my yard, and there's a plastic man from outer space sitting in my chair. The signs of life are everywhere. How many of you know that kind of signs of life, right? You have seen that. You know that. Uh, there is a messiness that comes to life um, or comes with life, and it shows that there is life happening. And so that's kind of where we're headed over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, we're in a series called The Beautiful Mess, and that's what this is about. The Beautiful Mess is about, uh, it's about church, um, and, and it's about life. It's about our life and the messiness of that life, but that messiness, even in the messiness of life, there's beauty in that. <clears throat> so that's kind of where we're, we're headed. Uh, today is more of a reflection on where we've been as a church. Where have we come from? What, what uh, some of you guys, you're, you're brand new to the area, you're new to church, you're new to our church, and, and so maybe you kind of fall in that category. You're checking things out. You don't know us. You don't know our history. You don't know our story. And so today we're going to reflect a little bit about our story, how we got to where we're at, what, what happened in the past, and, and just being thankful for that. And that's why we're doing communion this morning is because I want us to end on a thankful note. And that's what I was really preparing my heart, preparing my mind for today, to just come in in a thankful way. Um, and sometimes we have messes that greet us as we come in, right, uh, this morning. And, and this was perfect. I, we didn't set this up. This couldn't happen in any better way. The first thing that I walked in this morning was we have a monitor that's in the very back of the sanctuary. You can look right there. Just turn around. Everybody look at it. Let's just go ahead and look at it right there. You see that TV right there? That TV's not supposed to look like that. We did not buy it that way. Um, it looks like somebody took their head and kind of punched their head through it, right? Or took a baseball and threw it at it. Uh, and that was the first thing that greeted me this morning when I came in. I'm turning the lights on, and I look, and I'm like, that TV doesn't look right. And then sure enough, I turn it on, I'm like, that TV doesn't look right still. And, uh, man, I was just like, it's just kind of irritated. And I was just like, this, this aggravation just kind of just started overwhelming. I'm like, no, today I'm going to be thankful. 
Today, I, I'm, God, I am going to be thankful. And, and I, have to just, I had to tell myself, God, I'm thankful that we had a TV to break in the first place. Uh, God, I am thankful that, you know what, now we get to have a new TV. Lord, thank you for uh, making that possible. However that happened, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, there's just things. Sometimes it's a mess. Uh, church can be messy, right? And, and our families can be messy. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, this thing, this, this song has kind of stuck with me for a long time because it just shows the messiness of life. And if you have kids, you understand this, right? I mean, my kids, I remember when uh, they were little and we'd put them in the car seats and they would have Cheerios and goldfish and goldfish would find its way into crevices and spaces that you're never going to get your hand in. So it's just going to be there forever. And it's like you're going to have to get rid of that car and sell it with all the goldfish that your kids have stuck down in these crevices where you can't get your hands. And I remember getting my kids out of these car seats and I remember going to get them and things were sticky, right? And you put your hand on stuff, it's like, oh, that is so gross. What is that? And you're just wondering, do I really want to know what this is? And that's the messiness of life. It is the messiness of having kids. My son, my youngest son, my 16-year-old, right, he comes in yesterday. He's like, or maybe it's day before yesterday. He's like, hey, where's anybody seen my Crocs? I can't find my Crocs. Uh, and I just, they're over there by the dog's bed, right? And so he goes to the dog's bed, and there's his Crocs for sure. And so he leaves with his Crocs. And I go and look. I get up after he's left, and I look, and he has replaced his Crocs with another set of shoes. And I'm like, that's not where those shoes are supposed to go. Why did you do that? I don't understand that. And it's just the messiness of life. You know, it doesn't matter if he's two, you know, or 12 or 16, right? There's going to be stuff everywhere. And that's sometimes, you know, we lose things in the house and they're found under Kobe's clothes because it's just a mess. But it shows that there's life in our house. It shows that somebody's living there. And a messy person lives there, but it does show that somebody's living there. It shows signs of life. And that's the same thing around a church, that there are signs of life around a church. And church can be messy. Things break. Just this past week, well, obviously this morning, the TV's broken. There are things that most, most of the time people just come and they, they, they walk up to me, you know, staff, or, or even teachers here at the preschool, they're like, hey, uh, so this is broken, you know, you need to fix it. And I'm like, do I look like Mr. Handyman? Uh, you know, do I, do I have a tool belt that I'm wearing? Because it seems like it's my job to have to fix stuff. We walked in this past week, and Pastor Trent, I don't know, he broke the faucet in the office, right? And I get this text, hey, the faucet's broken, don't turn the water on, okay? And I'm like, how do you break that? I don't know even how it broke. Uh, you know, and then he tells me, he's like, Hey, um, you know, I hooked the trailer up to the van, and, uh, man, that trailer just would not come off that ball, and so I had to just pull right out of the hitch, the, the sleeve, and so the, the ball's, like, stuck on the trailer, and I'm like, he's like, I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> you know, I walk out there and just flip this little thing, and it falls off, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. So and sometimes it's, sorry, man, I, I just had to throw you under, throw you under the van and back it up, you know. Because that was funny when that happened. Um, it's just there's things all over that, that get broken, you know. Pastor Adam, some of you guys remember Pastor Adam. I remember he called me one night. You know, I'm at home. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking, my shoes are off. I'm, 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 I'm in the recliner. And he calls me, and he's got this youth event that's going on over here. And he calls me, and he says, hey, Pastor Ryan, how do you turn the water off to the church? 
That is not a good question. Because Pastor Adam, if you know Pastor Adam, he does not need to be messing with the water at all to turn it on or to turn it off, right? I mean, and so as I come over and one of the kids has, they're playing some game in the fellowship hall, and one of the kids has hit the water fountain and knocked the water fountain off the wall, and there's water just spewing across. And it's like just, what is going on, right? Church is messy. Church is messy, and you have to fix things. But it's okay. It is all right, because this is the thing. You can have a church that is clean, that things are not broken. You can have a church that doesn't have any spots and blemishes, that doesn't have anything, any fingerprints. And you know what? It probably will have no kids in it at all. It would be a church that probably has no youth in it at all. It definitely would have no youth pastors, right? It would <laughs> it, it, it's a church, if you want a church that is spotless and, and clean and, it is, and everything's in place and everything's in order and, every, and everything's perfect, then it probably doesn't have any people in it at all. Because that's what happens. That's what happens when you have a church. You have a church that is growing. You have a church that has children. You have a church that has life. Those are signs of life. And you know what? I'm okay with that because I think those are beautiful signs. And they're aggravating absolutely, you know, but they're still beautiful signs. They're still beautiful things that... Uh, I look at and I think, God, thank you that we have this group of people that are coming to church that we can do life together, so help us figure it out. And so this morning, that's kind of where we're headed. Um, we're headed to this story in Luke chapter 5, because I think this story speaks to that. I think this story speaks to um, kind of the messiness of church. It speaks to the messiness of life, and it just speaks to the messiness that Jesus stepped into. So if we go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read this out of my Bible instead of on that screen. That would be a challenge. Uh, verse 17, it says, On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some of the men were bringing uh, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, and I want, that's, isn't that great? It's, sometimes we think, you know, do you have faith? And faith is one of those things you can't see. Actually, Jesus saw it. What did he see? Well, and when, G, when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins, are for, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, because they weren't thinking this out loud, perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what, had been, what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized all of them. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Now, when I think about this story and I think about what's happening here, you had some guys who see their friend has an issue. And 
they understand this man is in a mess. His life is messy in a sense that he can't fix himself and, and they can't fix him. So basically they're in a mess. But they understand that there's someone who may have power to fix the mess. And that's Jesus. And so they said, we got to get him to Jesus. And I always think about the story. I think this story's hilarious because if, if you think about this, whose house is this? Right? Is, is, is it Jesus' house? Is it Peter's house? It may be Peter's house. Right? And, and if you're Simon Peter and somebody starts tearing your roof off, are you looking at the roof going, man, I just fixed that hole. You know? What are you, what are you doing? What are you, you're tearing my roof up. And, and Jesus is standing there. He's teaching, right? And the stuff's falling on him. And, you know, you got ceiling tiles falling on him. And, and so Jesus is kind of looking up, what's going on? And, and then he sees these guys who's letting this man down. He's paralyzed. And I love it because it says he sees their faith. So what does he see? He sees that they have enough faith that they're going to step into their friend's messiness. They have enough faith that they're going to take their friend and carry him up on the roof, then tear this roof apart and lower him down. And what Jesus sees is effort. What Jesus sees is he sees someone who takes initiative. Jesus sees a group of people who, who love their friend. He sees love in action. That's what he sees. And so that's why he, when it says he saw their faith, he saw the, the, the repercussions of what faith does in us. When we truly have faith, there, there's an outward response. And, and, so, and so when we look at church and we look at where we're at as a church, I think this story really kind of nails it because church is messy and uh, to be involved in people's lives can be messy. And I just kind of wrote this down, uh, the statement, we are a mess, you are a mess, and God can do wonders with a mess. We are a mess, I'm a mess, you're a mess, yes you, yeah, Aria, you're a mess. And she's like, me? I was like, yeah. And God can do wonders with a mess. We see that. We see what God can do. All you have to do is what? Give him just a little bit. He doesn't need much. He doesn't need much at all. And so he can work wonders with the things that we bring him. He can work wonders with the brokenness that we bring him. And this is what these guys did. They brought him this man, and they brought the mess that this man was in. They created a mess trying to bring him to Jesus. And I think about this. I think about this in terms of church. It's like, why are we here? And we do this. We put this on the video announcements. Uh, the video announcements, can, do you have that slide? Can you put that up there? Um, why we exist. Here you go. This is why we exist. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you have seen this before? You've heard me say this before. You've heard us say this before. You know, two people who listen to the video announcements. That's it, right? It's like we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and engage them in the life and mission of the church. This is why we're here. We're not here to have some kind of spiritual club. We're not here to uh, just collect money. We're not here to just sing some songs. This is why we're here. And we can't forget why we're here. Because if we forget why we're here, we, we start becoming, church becomes about other things, and it can't become about any other thing. It's about Jesus, and we've got to fight to keep it about Jesus, and we've got to be intentional about keeping about Jesus, because if not, it becomes about other things. It becomes about things that maybe are just traditional, 
maybe we've always done this. Maybe we, you know, there's there's a story that that I love, and it's about a young couple who gets married, and uh, they they move in together, and they're getting ready to go through their first holidays together. And uh, the young wife says, "Hey, I'm going to bake a ham, just like my mother bakes uh, a ham for us." And and so he says, "Okay, that's awesome, that's great." And so she goes into the kitchen and she takes this ham and she cuts the ends of the ham off, two two big pieces of of ham, cuts off the ends of the ham, and she throws them away. And he's like. That's strange because she just threw away two nice pieces of ham. There's nothing wrong with them, uh, and we don't have a ton of money. And she, he goes and asks her, he said, why did you do that? She said, well, she said, that's how my mom makes ham, right? And he, he says, I don't understand this. She, and so he calls up the mother, uh, and he says, hey, mother-in-law, uh, how do you cook ham? She said, well, I take the ham, I cut the ends off, and I throw them away. And he says, well, stop right there. Why do you do that? She said, well, that's how my mom made ham. And what they do is they have to go all the way back, and it comes back to the great-grandmother, and, they, and the great-grandmother's dead, so she can't tell them how she cooked ham. But, but what they do is they find her cookbook, and in the margins of the cookbook, trying to track down, why are they cutting off the ends of the ham? It was because her pan and her oven were so small that she couldn't fit the entire ham in there. And they did this just because Grandma did it and because Mom did it. See, that's not a good enough reason for us to do things. That's not a good, no, just because somebody else did this, just because another church does. That's not who we are. We have to be about a purpose, and our purpose is this, is that we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why we're here. This is the only reason we are here, is to exist, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which means that if we're doing this, and we're doing this the right way, it's going to be messy. If we're doing this, and we are leading people to Christ, that means we're going to have to be involved in relationship and be involved in their life and be involved in, in the messiness of what that looks like and their stuff and their junk and everything they bring along with it, right? How many of you know life is messy and, and relationships are messy and people can be messy? And so when you get involved with them, it doesn't always look pretty. And that's not what ministry is about. That's not what we're about as a church. We're not just about having pretty places. Actually, we think the mess is beautiful. And we think that the mess is a sign of life. See, they say this, that um, there, some of you may not know this, churches have life cycles. And um, the life cycle of a church is about 40 to 50 years. The life cycle of a church is about 40 to 50 years. And so this church, this church was started back in 1979, which means this church is about 44 years old. And this church should be kind of on the backside of its life cycle many churches that maybe you know have closed up many churches that you know just don't exist anymore and in 2019 there were um there were about 3,500 uh 3,500 churches that got started and and we closed about 1,500 more churches that year than what we started and, and so people uh, Sure, there's there's a decline in, in the number of churches, and so churches have a life cycle. They they just don't last forever. And I didn't know this. That was something that that I didn't just know. But when I went to a, a church planning lab, they said this. Said, yeah, the church has a life cycle. Now you can extend that life cycle. That church can extend its life cycle by doing certain things, and by finding a fresh vision and actually reaching people for Jesus. Which is crazy, that sometimes churches forget who they are. 
and they wonder why they're dying. It's because new life, if we ever forget why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing, that'll happen here. But for us, what we've seen is this. We've actually seen the opposite happen. We've seen a freshness and a newness. Last week we had, I think, what, 418 people here in services with us. And that is, that is amazing, right? And, and so when I start looking at where we've come from today, I'm grateful. Today I'm thankful. And that's what it's about. I, it's not about bragging. It's actually about saying, God, thank you so much for what you've done. God, thank you so much for people who are willing to look with vision years ago to say there needs to be a church there. I'm so grateful that someone came down Highway 144 when there was nothing but pine trees out here and, and look and say, that would be a great spot for a church. One day, that church, there needs to be a church there, and so let's put in the effort. Let's put in the work. Let's raise the money. Let's, let's clear the lot. Let's, let's pour the foundation. Let's put up the walls. Somebody saw with a vision. Somebody saw down the road, and they said, this is worth the effort. And I'm so grateful that someone did that. And that today, I, I, I'm thankful. And that's where we are. See, because we have to understand this. Where we're going, God bless you. That scared me. <laughs> God bless me. <laughs> Let's try this again. <laughs> where we're going... <laughs> I might be going to the morgue if I hear that again. Where we're going probably won't look like where we've been. Where we're going probably won't look like where we've been. But I'm so grateful for where we've been. I'm so grateful for where we've come from. I'm, I'm thankful, and there are people that I'm thankful for. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful for faithful people who prayed about starting a church here. Anybody? Has your life been blessed? Anybody who comes, this is your church, you call this your church home, and you've been blessed by being able to come here. Now, how many of you are thankful then that somebody took the initiative and prayed about starting a church here? I am. Now, I remember when I, I came here, we, me and Raina were about to celebrate 14 years of being here at the church. Uh, the last Sunday of 2009 was really my first Sunday, so I, we count 2010 on. And so it's, we're about to be at 14 years, and I remember I wasn't trying to come here. I, I actually, Richmond Hill wasn't on my radar. Uh, we had planted a church across the state, and I was happy there. But Raina's dad had cancer. And um, we were trying to get closer. He lived, they lived in Savannah. We were trying to get closer to Savannah to try to be here to help with family needs. And, and so I talked to my boss, my, what we call state overseer, who's over all the churches in, in the Church of God of South Georgia. And um, he said, hey, he said, there's this small church who's in Richmond Hill. Uh, that's about as close as I can get you. Uh, he said, you know, there's, there's about 30 people there. Um, he's like, we can see if, if they'll take you as a pastor. Right, so th we worked on that, and 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 I came that last Sunday night of 2009. And I remember there was probably about 15 people here that Sunday night. I don't know if any who was uh, Miss Linda, Miss Brother Richard, y'all were here. Anybody else? That's it. <laughs> yeah, Betty, Betty. There's like three people here, right? Uh, and so, um, and, and so I remember that night. It was just a handful of people, and I and I I was, I was kind of a mess at that point. You know, I'm thinking, do they? Do they want me here? You know, do I want to be here? <laughs> right? Do I want to come to Richmond Hill? I wasn't trying to. 
but God had a plan. God had a purpose for us to be here. So 14 years, we've seen a lot of changes. 14 years, we've seen a lot of changes in Richmond Hill, uh, and we've seen a lot of changes on this campus. And I am grateful. I am grateful. I am thankful for people who prayed about starting a church. And I am thankful for faithful people who gave to provide that place to be here. I am thankful for faithful people who worked to make a dream a reality. That's Somebody had a dream. And, 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 and you could talk to some of these other people that are here. I know Brother Richard's one of them. He'll tell you his stories about he, how he came to church here, that he wasn't intended to try to come to church here. But he passed it one day. And it's like God spoke to him and told him to c- turn around and come back to this church. And, and I am grateful for those experiences. I am grateful for those moments. I am thankful for faithful people who stepped into the messiness of ministry and answered God's call. And see, we are here today because someone came before us and made it happen. And if there is anything here in the next 44 years, it's because somebody stayed here to make it happen and kept the main thing the main thing and kept Jesus the very center of why we do what we do. I don't know that I'll be here in 44 years, and if not, that's okay, right? Maybe I've passed the, 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 the keys along to somebody else, you know? But whatever happens is this, is I believe right now God has, has got us here for a purpose, and I look back, and I'm grateful and thankful for where he's brought us. So what have I seen? I want to share with you just a few, few things of what I've seen over the past 14 years. These are the things that I've seen in the past 14 years. This year, we've baptized over 25 people. There are some churches that don't baptize people for years. We baptize over 25 people, and you can go see our baptisms on our webpage. Uh, we try to upload those where, where you can watch those and, and just remember your baptism. Remember that. Say, hey, this is what that looked like, right? <clears throat> In the last 13 years, we've seen 240 people become members and partners in ministry with us here at New Life. We've seen uh, the attendance in the last 14 years increase over 1,000%, 11 times more than what we started with in 2010. We are 11 times larger than what we were at that, at that point in time. We averaged 350 people last month. And so I look, I look at the, that 30 people that, that we started with, and, and, and I'm so grateful for them. And I look now and I think, God, I'm so grateful we have this journey. We've had this journey. And we can look at all the lives and all the people that we've had a chance to, to, to touch and all the people that we've had a chance to share our life with and pray with and lead to Christ and baptize and do communion with. I'm so grateful for that. I am grateful that over the last few years we've completed over $300,000 in facility renovations and additions. We've done that. Three, over $300,000. Our giving, our giving has increased 453% since we first started, right? I remember Miss Linda, she's our clerk, and I remember that first Sunday I went and sat down in her office, and we kind of looked at each other, and she said, there's $800 in the bank, and we got like $8,000 worth of bills. I said, oh, we need to pray. <laughs> but see, I'm grateful that God has taught us to trust him. I am grateful that God has, has taught us, listen, if you'll trust me, you'll see me work in your life and you'll see me work in your children's lives. 
I am grateful that we have people who have volunteered to be in kids' ministry. I am grateful that we have people who volunteer to be in nursery ministry. I am grateful for these people who, because we see kids like who are, who are sitting here on the front rows like Mariah. Mariah, she's sitting on the front row, but a lot of times you'll see her leading worship on the stage. And I remember seeing Mariah. She was knee-high to a grasshopper. She was just about that tall, you know. And someone in kids' church helped her pray. Someone in kids' church told her about Jesus. Someone in kids' church helped her read her Bible. Someone in kids' church got her to this place. It's because people invested and somebody came before us. I'm grateful and I'm thankful for people who did that. See, in the last six years, we've given away, and I love this, in the last six years, we've given away and sowed over $100,000 into various overseas and local missions. That's just stuff that we've looked at and said, God, God, what, whatever you're doing, God, we want to be part of that. Lord, we want to bless it. Lord, if it's, if it's pregnancy care center, God, that's what we want to do. God, if it's, if it's family promise, that's what God, what we want to do. If it's someone that's in Papua New Guinea, Lord, that needs Bibles, Lord, that's what we want to do. And, and so wherever God has led us, and you can go see these on our website. There's a little, thing, a little page that says missions. And we've listed everything that we've been involved with ever since 2010. And you can go back, and there's over 150, over 150 missionaries and ministries and things that we have been a part of where we say, God, please use us. We don't want to be here just to be people who are hoarding resources and just building big bank accounts. God, you have placed us here for a reason. God, use us. Use us to be the kind of people that rip the roof off. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be a kind of rip the roof off type pastor that says whatever we've got to do to bring people to Jesus that's what we're going to do that's what we're going to do here in Richmond Hill that's what we're going to do in this community and the surrounding area because I believe that's why God's called us here some of us we may not know why we're here you may be wondering kind of what I was in, in 2010 why am I here right what am I doing here? The, maybe the military sent you here. Maybe it was Gulfstream. Maybe it was some other job that brought you here. And you're like, I don't know why I'm here in Richmond Hill. I'm not sold out to Richmond Hill. But you're here for a reason. God has brought you here for a reason. And maybe that reason is to be part of a church that says we want to be the kind of people that rip the roof off. We want to be the kind of people that are okay with making messes because we believe that God works in the mess. We believe that God can bring a message out of the mess. We believe that God can bring about good in the promises that he's given us and says, hey, just trust me and follow me and I'll lead you to the next step. See, I don't know what the next few years have, have, to, have to bring us. I'm excited about that. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to share some of what we think what God is, is, is leading us into, the next season that God is leading us into. And I'm excited about that. And I'm also terrified <laughs> because it's bigger than me. But God's best plans are always bigger than the people he calls into them. If you go look at the people in, in the Bible Every time God called someone into ministry, called someone in to take action, it was always something bigger than that person because they had to trust that God was there. They had to trust that God was their king, and they had to trust that God was their provision, and they had to trust that God was the supplier and their healer and the leader. And so the same thing for us. We've got to trust that God is leading us into the next few years, whatever that looks like, and I'm okay with that. I'm the kind of pastor that I, I want to be led, and I want to keep reminding us, hey, we are the church that says we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.
So, with that said, I'm going to ask somebody to come play, some musicians to come. I am thankful for rip the roof off kind of people. I am. Because it was the kind of people who were willing to make a mess and to get messy 44 years ago in Richmond Hill that provided us this place to be here. I'm grateful for them. Now, I want to be the kind of church that says 44 years from now, God, I want somebody to be thankful for the work that we've done. God, don't let that be in vain. God, let us do something significant. Right? I mean, you want to do something significant. I just don't want to get through life. I just don't want to just kind of muddle through. I don't want to just do something religious. That's not why I'm here. God, I want to do something significant, man. When we have people get baptized, I am so grateful for that because what that is is somebody saying, God's changing my life. Jesus is doing something in me, and I want to see more of that. I want to see so much more of that. You know what? I want to share that with you. I want us to see what God's going to do. Stand with me. See, I am thankful. I am thankful. I want you to take that look up. And communion is this. Communion is a Thanksgiving meal. It's what Eucharist means. It, it means, you go read the story. Jesus, when he, the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broke it, he gave thanks. That's what this is about. This is a Thanksgiving meal. I like to say it's the first happy meal, right? This is, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that we're invited to participate in. And, and so for us today, I, I want us to partake in this happy meal, in this Thanksgiving meal together. And I want us to be grateful people. I want us to be thankful people. I want us to be thankful for those people who have come before us, who allowed for us to be here at, at New Life Church. But you know what? I want you to make this more specific to your situation. I want you to make this more specific to you. You're here today, and maybe you have a relationship with Jesus because somebody was a grandmother, a grandfather, a mom, a dad. Maybe it was a neighbor, was a rip-the-roof-off kind of person who said, i got to get them to Jesus. And today, this is what this is about. This is about us saying, God, thank you for them. God, thank you for allowing that kind of person to be in my life. So today is about reflection. Today is about saying thank you. So that's what I want us to do. I want you to peel back that, that lid. Pull out that little piece of bread. I want you to just hold that up. Lord, we are grateful. God, you're so good to us. God, there's so many blessings that we've received. There, and there have been challenges that we've walked through. And every challenge, everywhere there's an obstacle, Lord, you've been so good. We acknowledge that. God, I, I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to take healing for granted. I don't want to take blessings for granted. Lord, I don't want to take times where you've dropped financial blessings into our life. Lord, thank you. God, thank you, Lord, that you've healed our hearts. 
Thank you, God, that you gave us a second chance, a third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. Thank you, Lord, that you, you wouldn't walk away from us when we tried to walk away from you. God, thank you for not walking away from us. God, we're grateful. And so, Lord, we hold this little piece of bread up that represents your body. We thank you, Lord, that you allowed them to put you on the cross, to nail your hands and your feet to this cross, to pierce your side, put a crown of thorns on your head. You were beaten, bloodied, and bruised for us. But you did that. You took our pain so that we could get your promise. Today we're thankful. God, we are so thankful. So, Lord, we hold this little piece of bread up, and we ask your blessing on this. As we partake in this, Lord, let this be life to us. Let this be life for us, not just new life that we're, we're worshiping in, not just a building, Lord. Let this be life in our spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Take it in. We'll take that cup, flip it over, fill that next layer back carefully. Because if not, you'll make a mess little cup, little cup of juice represents the blood of Christ. Lord, we hold this cup up and we are grateful for your blood because it washes us clean. And I don't know exactly how that works, but God, you've done that. You paid a price. Lord Jesus, you paid a price. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for every drop of blood that was spilled. Because every drop is a drop that changes lives. And Lord, we're grateful for that. We thank you, Lord. This is our thanks. In Jesus' name, take a drink. Amen. Amen. They're going to come sing. And in just a few minutes, one thing, I'm going to step down. If you need prayer for anything, I'm going to ask the, the prayer team and the elders to come join me. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be down front as we sing this song. We want you to come find us because we want to believe with you. Maybe it's just to say, hey, I'm grateful today and I want to give God thanks. That's all right. We'll do that. But if you if you need prayer for anything, we're going to be down front. We love you. Elders, uh, prayer team, go ahead and move now. Can we sing this together? Amazing love. There